The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, New York Magazine's podcast about sex. I'm New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor, and I am joined today in studio by French GQ sex columnist Maya Mazoret. Maya, yeah. did I say it right? Exactly. Maya Mazoret. Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after many years of being the sort of Parisian Carrie Bradshaw, Maya still writes her column for French GQ, edits for them. Who else do you yeah, write for? Yeah, exactly. I write for GQ, the French one. And I also write for Le Monde, which is kind of the French big newspaper central like New York Times. Although you have since moved to New York. Yeah, it's been two years I'm here. So I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my French sex on the U.S. territory. And sometimes there's a bit of conflict happening. <laughs> but it's fun. It's definitely fun because... Yeah, as a French people do have expectations, like I'm going to be arrogant. And yes, I am indeed. <laughs> uh, and that I'm going to drink a lot, which I also do. And for sex, I would say that's really something about the promiscuity. Like, for mm -hmm. example, American people, if they know one sentence in French, it's going to be the infamous voulez-vous coucher avec moi? And it's so annoying. It's so annoying. As a French person, I hate it. Like, Wait, what does that actually mean? Do you it want to sleep to, with me? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to have sex with me tonight? You know, I hate the song. I hated the movie. And also, like, pronunciation is terrible. And it's really not the way you would say it to anyone. That's, that's actually very American because mm -hmm. I think sometimes American people can be really explicit when it's about sex. You know, you have, for example, the yes means yes. And it's wonderful. But there's also rules and bases and everything is so clear all the time. So when you want to have sex with someone, you're like, should we have sex together tonight? And if you're French, one of the big difference is that you're actually never going to say anything like this. You're going to do it. And if you want to kiss <laughs> someone, you're, you're not going to ask permission. You're going to try to kind of approach a person. And if you see that the person doesn't Yes, yeah, step away from you, or you're gonna leave a bit of time for the person to uh, to withdraw. Then you just kiss a person, and there's an eroticism into going too fast and not asking, please, please, not asking. So next time you think it's fun around French people to say "voulez-vous coucher avec moi," please keep that for the American no, you just parties. Fuck them then, right? You yeah, exactly. Just have sex with them instead of talking mean, about it. <laughs> does this mean French people don't do dirty talk? Yeah, we do. We do. But when we are already in the action, when because you're already all, fucking. all we do sexting, which is kind of foreplay. I, wait, so if we can rewind for one moment. Yeah, last we completely time. went off tracks already. I'm sorry. No, it's what always happens. <laughs> so the first time we interviewed you, Maya, it was maybe like two, almost three years ago. And I was interviewing you to find out if the French are really better at sex. And since then, I interviewed you. You came to visit New York, and I met you for the first time in person. And during that visit was when you met someone here, and that's why you moved here, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. I was single, and I, j I had just started working again, and I was trying all those apps for meeting people. I remember. I met up with you in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Yeah. You sat down, and you said, I'm using the American Tinder, and you pulled it up to show me. <laughs> and as you were flipping through, you met a guy that actually caused you to move here, right? Yeah. You were on Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So it, it was impossible for me to use those apps in Paris or Copenhagen or Berlin because there were not as many users. And it was the earlier every, days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now and then, or a lot of the times, 
I would uh, match with people that I knew already or friends or friends or also because I have those columns in France. They would say like, oh, my God, you're this columnist. So, of course, I want to meet you or sometimes I would never want to meet you because then you're going to talk or write about me. So there's sort of a, a hookup freedom when you came to New York. Yeah, where... exactly. I felt like suddenly nobody knew mm-hmm. who I was. I and... knew you were, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I tried dating. And also I felt really safe because I was thinking, okay, American guys, they have no expectations. They think that we're only going to have sex on the third, fourth, fifth date. So if it's a disaster, it doesn't matter. Because if I go on a date with a French guy... There's an expectation that, that you're of have course, sex. we're going to have sex Wait, because that... I already we already know that we find each other uh-huh. agreeable or pleasant to Wait, see. Wait, so do you think, is it that French people expect to fuck immediately more than Americans or is it that, that you were like a, an out-of-town person? No. Yeah, what? it's... This is not this. This goes contrary to all of my beliefs. The, and thoughts. the, the thing is, I, I checked some statistics just for you. Uh-huh. So the, there is a certain amount of person who think it's completely okay to have sex on a first date, both in right. France and in the U.S. But I've seen that ten percent of American guys and two percent of American women do have sex on the first date. Really? That's and it? in France, it's well, the two percent is in this room right now. Yeah, I think. exactly. I think so. <laughs> But in France, it's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 40%, which I think is completely underestimated because I don't know who are the 60 other persons, probably my parents. (laughs) Well, there must be a difference between, say, like New York City and other parts of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think so, too. But you you just think that people are In any case, and then I had this match with the guy who's still my partner today. And he told me he was an actor, and I did not believe him at all. And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So well, you're an actor, actor is the one that York. people really lie about too, because everyone's like, yeah. "I'm an aspiring actor." Exactly. Are so we I all actors like, on a daily basis? Yeah. All the world's a stage. I immediately <laughs> asked him, "In which bar do you prepare the cocktails?" Um, <laughs> he said, "Like, yeah, and sure, you're a French writer. That doesn't exist." So we agreed to give each other the real name so that we could Google each other. And then I was like, oh, my God, he's actually an actor. And it was like, so you're actually writing books and articles. <laughs> and we agreed to meet only because actually Internet was breaking a bit of the mystery. So like the only thing that could go wrong is a terrible smell. A terrible smell? Yeah, you know, that the, actually, <laughs> that the, I mean, visually, you see what the person looks like, you know, the voice. What could go wrong? Well, Nothing. He could be a jerk. Oh yeah. Well, but it's it's for sex. You don't really care, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. As long as he smells yeah. okay. Yeah. If he smells okay, actually, you know, if it's just for having sex, I would prefer smell over intelligence. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna regret to have said that at some point. <laughs> Never. So no, you no. meet him, and yeah. you're thinking you're gonna have this really quick vacation fling before you go back to yeah, France. yeah, yeah. And uh, and just after that, I left for Mongolia. Um, So 12 hours of time difference with the US and also, of course, no internet, no telephone, nothing. So like it's the most brutal kind of goodbye you can say to someone. Like not only am I traveling back to Europe, but then to Asia. So I was thinking we would never meet each other again. Mm -hmm. And when I came back after 15 days horse riding uh, in the wild, wild. Of Mongolia. Yeah. I had one message from him saying, like, you know what? It's stupid, but it's just sad and we barely met. I know that you're not really living anywhere at the moment. And I'm sharing this flat with my roommates and we have one room that is available for two months. 
And if you want, this room is yours. And if you don't want to date me, we can be roommates. And I swear, I won't be annoying. And um, I, it's true, I didn't have anywhere where to crash. Uh, <laughs> so I decided that maybe I was not done with New York and I came back here. And then I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so two months turned into, what, two years? Yeah, two months and then two years now. Has your views on the way Americans date and have sex versus the way the French do it, have they changed over this time? Um, I think they became a bit more precise. But I mm -hmm. also think that living in Brooklyn and not really having been in uh, Texas or the, yeah. or the, the inner states, I also have a very wrong vision of what is America. For example, I, I've never met someone voting for Donald Trump. And that's still a lot of people. So I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a bubble, a sex bubble, uh -huh. very protected from real life because also it's actors. So when we are talking about cheating, which is a huge difference between yeah. France and the US, since, since my boyfriend is, a, is an actor, it means that not only is he kissing some girls on stage, but he's swearing to them every night that he's in love with them mm -hmm. and he would die for them. And for the last, well, former last play, he was naked with a girl on stage uh, kissing her. And it's most of the people that I know in this city uh, have this kind of weird relationship to their bodies, which is that you never completely belong to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think they're not really representative of the U.S. Yeah. Not really, right. I guess, yeah, I'm wondering about that. How every, We've always sort of hear this, the idea that the French are more chill with but cheating we are, and affairs. But it's true. So you think it's that Yeah, it's true case. because... Statistics again. I came uh -huh. well prepared. Yes, thank you. Uh, no, no, about cheating, because I think I think here we are. It's not that France and the US are that different. It's that France is unique. Mm -hmm. So in the world in general, I found that 80% of people think it's a moral issue if you're cheating on your partner. And it's 84% in the US. Mm -hmm. But in France, it's less than half of the people. It's 47%. And it's the lowest rank in the whole world. Mm -hmm. So a majority of persons in France don't see a connection, actually, between sex life and the rest of your life. So you can be cheating on your partner, but be a perfect citizen mm -hmm. uh, or a very reliable person or a good neighbor. <laughs> There's even 12% of French people who think it's okay to cheat on your partner. And I'm part of those 12% of people, see that? for example. So I was just in France, which is why I thought of you when I was coming back <laughs> from Paris. And somebody was trying to explain the difference to me as you're talking about infidelity, and you're going to have to correct my pronunciation, the difference between the amant and the maîtresse. Amant et maîtresse. Yeah. So what is that distinction? It's two different versions of the person you're sleeping with extramaritally. Yeah, it's it's two different versions of the woman. Mm -hmm. with the other woman. Mm -hmm. So amant is going to be really what you call a lover. Like, you know, you're probably in love with that person or you're just having sex. Maîtresse, maîtresse it's funny because it's also your teacher. Uh, really? It's like, it's like in master. It's the same. You have master is maître. Oh, like a and maîtresse, mistress. Yeah, huh. exactly. So, so it's a bit... Um, bit more aggressive as a way to talk about the person. It's more connected to a double life and a very long relationship. And we start talking in France about the people who have double lives. Like how do you how do you have actually one wife and one maîtresse? Mm -hmm. uh, and and then it's it's a bit crazy because I think the amount knows that 
it, it's just something on the side. It's never going to be the love of your life. It's romantic, maîtresse, but it's somehow not undermining of the relationship. Yeah, exactly. If you're the maîtresse undermining of someone. Undermining of the marriage, rather, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. You, you're you're going to remain the maîtresse so for the a very, is, very long time. Is the sort of classic other woman, the way yeah. we think of it. Yeah, yeah. The one who's expecting that the man is going to divorce and leave everything. And that's not happening most of the time. So I would say the maîtresse, despite of this very aggressive way of naming her, that's mm-hmm. master woman. Mm-hmm is actually more of a victim than the amount. That's interesting. I don't think we have a word for the concept of the amount that the sort of the a sort of respectful version of a side relationship that isn't the central marriage. Yeah, just that we say amount. Uh it's love. It's very connected Lover? like amour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm sometimes very offended when I read articles about the fact that uh, you don't want to be the other woman or those horrible women who are using our husbands like mm-hmm. you know like this rivalry between women like you're the good woman or the bad woman i have sex and i had sex with men who are married and that's not my problem if they're married mm-hmm. uh, it's there so it's their choice and if they decide that they're happier with me for two hours and then they want to stay for the rest of their lives with their spouse it's their decision and i don't see why it would be my problem at all mm-hmm. i mean for me it's completely if they're married okay, fine. Do they want or not to have sex with me? Do I say yes? End of the conversation. The other woman is not existing for me because she's not in the bedroom and she's yeah. never going to know about it. So there's no harm done. It's the two I mean, people that are present at the time. Yeah. And infidelity, it's, if it's yeah. well done, uh, it's mm-hmm. a crime without a victim. Yeah. I mean, if, if nobody knows and if you have a condom and if I'm never pregnant... For for who exactly is it a problem? Oh my god, the French make everything so philosophical. Isn't this like a philosophical issue? Of yeah, yeah, the but, things but you don't it, know, it do they hurt you? I don't. Yeah, I don't want to own my partner, mm-hmm. and and I actually think that uh, if cheating on me every now and then uh, makes him a happier person, then I would prefer to have the happier version of him than the one who's going to come back and be frustrated. Because actually, it happened to me a lot when I was younger. I tried to pretend to be faithful. Uh-huh. And I would consider myself a faithful person, actually. Just exactly once every second year, I have a crush for someone. Mm-hmm. And if you let me have sex with this person twice, then I'm over it. And then I come back happily to my couple. Like the guy will never hear about it, will never know. And I'm going to love him exactly as much as before. And if I don't do it, then I start resenting my official mm-hmm. partner thing like because of you I can't have my candy I can't <laughs> have my piece of cake and I'm very frustrated and then this resentment lasts for weeks or months and I'm just like because of you I can't have the life that I really wanted and I can't have adventure anymore and being couple is so boring I mean it's only boring if you make it boring mm-hmm. so I take the permission I say it to my partners and I also give the permission I just don't want to know about it and I don't think anyone owes me the truth that's not what I want for my partner. I, I think I want loyalty more than I want fidelity. And it's very, it's very interesting for me that people would actually be offended by my behavior because I'm offended by the fact that they are offended. Mm-hmm. When my boyfriend is sick or he has, I don't know, money issues, anything, family problems, I'm going to be here for him. And the reason why I love him is because... Best case scenario, I'm going to be there when he's 80 and I need to change his diapers and push his wheelchair. I'm not going to do that with my lovers. Mm-hmm. So I'm loyal to him. 
And whatever he needs, I'm going to be there. And if he needs a chicken soup, I'll be there. The thing I find very stressful about the idea of sleeping with someone who then turns out to be married or something like that. Like, I actually, it really bothers me if a guy hits on me and then at some point is like, oh, and I'm married. Then I'm like, you're such a dick. I can't stand that. Because the thing is, I don't know that his relationship is the way, say, you describe yours. That I don't know that there's, like, if someone else's relationship is predicated on fidelity or not. And it really bothers me that somebody else would want to pull me in and, I don't know, make me complicit or make me a component of their lives in some way. Yeah, I understand that it should be on the table quite early. And then I'd say the French way of doing that is a smile. Like, you know, you're hitting on a guy and he's married and he's not interested. So he's going to say, he's going to mention his wife at some point mm-hmm. like uh, it's gonna just it's gonna be completely artificial it's gonna say like oh my wife is cooking dinner for me i should get going or my wife cooked dinner for me last night it was great how are you doing and then you go okay <laughs> so the wife exists but we're still doing this yeah exactly <laughs> it's just like a, oh you know my I wife know. It just feels like so much if we had another drink do you want another drink my wife would be mad do you want another drink Oh, my God. It just stresses me out. Like, I just can't. I think to me, it's also that I can't handle the idea of just being entangled in other people's business or being responsible for people other than myself. Because you consider yourself responsible for it. I guess that's true. You you come from the point of assuming. Yeah, I. it's not my relationship. It's not my problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same with so many things about being a woman. I was reading all this depressing news about the guys who say, like, women are responsible for for not wanting enough sex, for being too promiscuous, for anything, I am not responsible of the desire of men. Like, Mm -hmm. whether it's too much, not enough, it's their problem. As a woman, we never do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we don't resent men or we don't cut parts of their bodies because we think that they're too sexy or not sexy enough. Yeah. And that drives me mad. At some point, we have to take full responsibility for our actions and only those ones. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for anyone else's sex life. You know what? This brings me to another question, which is, I always wonder, for instance, when I'm abroad, people sometimes be like, oh, my God, you're so shy. And I'm like, I'm absolutely not a shy person. But yeah, when I'm speaking in a different language, sometimes I come across as shy because I'm not as good at that. Do you feel like your social life or your love life is different when you're living in America, interacting with people in English versus you know, in France and speaking French natively or, you know, the other places you've lived? Like, is your your sex life or your romantic self different in different languages and places? Yeah. First, I would like uh, to talk about a misunderstanding that is happening here. I hear Uh a lot of the American complaining about French people not being nice to them. Mm -hmm. That, you know, like we we would be terrible persons, basically. Uh, I think actually it's shyness because we had to learn English, all of us in school, at least four years. Yeah. So we're all supposed to speak English and we are embarrassed because since most of the French education is about writing and not speaking or listening, it's very difficult for most of the people who haven't lived in the US or in another country to communicate. And it's not because they don't like American tourists mm-hmm. uh, or visitors. It's because they're very embarrassed. Oh. And And I think like next time you visit France, please don't be offended because... Most of the time, people have the best intentions. They just don't know how to express them. So maybe try to speak a bit slower to French people. Uh-huh. Uh, if you feel that, say, they're just leaving you aside at a party or something like this, it's not because we don't we don't like you guys. I find that French people are pretty nice about things like that. You know, there is something, though, in different when you're in a different culture, 
picking up on what is rejection versus what someone being embarrassed, you lose those subtleties. Exactly. exactly. So you might think somebody is being standoffish to you when in fact they just don't understand you and they don't know what to say. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it's not about being rude, really. But then uh, to move to your question, I I feel that uh, speaking in English is very liberating for my sex life. Really? And it's been, I think now it's been eight years that I haven't slept with a French-speaking person. Really? Because it's a rule of mine. I don't have sex with francophones. What? Why? Because because it sucks. Um, Not because uh, the sex itself is bad, but because I have so much context in using my own language because I'm a writer Uh that I'm over-conscious of what I'm saying. And it's very embarrassing because just as in English, words can be childish Medical, clinical, so you get judgmental uh, vulgar. Yeah, someone using a particular word, like no. And I don't really judge people; I judge myself. Oh, and then I don't, I don't really know how to express my needs. And when I speak in English, or when I was in Denmark or in Germany, when I was speaking other languages, I would have no problems being maybe gross because I don't have those filters. So if I want to say, touch me here and do that and stick it there, uh-huh. I'm just going to say it very brutally. And then I'm going to have what I want. That's and that's wonderful. In some ways, being in a new language, there's this strange liberation that you don't have the baggage of yeah. having grown up and heard this word in this context. I don't want to hear it in this, you know, in a sexual context. Like, am I going to call it a vagina or a pussy? I've got baggage about each one of them. Yeah, you don't you don't have any any trauma about it. And it's true that sometimes you're just like, oh, my God, it reminds me the way this person was talking 15 years ago. <laughs> or, or sometimes, you know, I keep hearing about the fact that People hate the word moist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Does I, that I, word bother you? No, not at all. <laughs> it's quite pretty. So, uh, like, it's we're pretty. talking you think about the word baguette. moist is pretty. Yeah, absolutely. What are there any words in French that make, because moist is the word that like everyone just like, oh, like nails on a chalkboard cringe. But are why? there any words in French that people just freak out about like that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. We talk a lot about our favorite words, uh, and then it can be really different. For my sister in law, she's from Ukraine. She thinks plancher is the most beautiful French word, and it means floor. It is a pretty word. Um, when you say it that way, yeah. it's pretty. I like silence. Silence. That's also beautiful. I mean, when you say moist, it sounds pretty because you're French. Say moist. Well, it's, it's okay. But for you, when you say it, it's nice. <laughs> moist. I'm going to say it Okay, no, that was gross. That was gross anyway. Moist. Anyways. Nice. <laughs> okay, we have okay. to stop. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and some, something else about language that uh, is a bit confusing for me is, is vagina. Yeah. Why is that confusing? Uh, b- because you cannot call vulva vagina. Oh, uh, right. Just, the, the use of the word is so improper. It drives me crazy that people think that they're waxing or shaving the vagina. Good luck for doing that. <laughs> seriously. Uh, well, it's, um, wait, what's the word? Metonymy? You know, like when you say the, I don't know. It's so incorrect. And then, of course, this vajayjay. Uh, and like I hate that all, kind of stuff. Also, just I hate when say people it. infantilize yeah. their body parts. And I also really hate when people personify their genitals. Like, he's a little tired today. <laughs> You're like, Jesus, just be like, I can't get it up. Like, oh, yeah, so gross. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever cut off a hookup because somebody started infantilizing or personifying genitals, but I do think that is something I would do if somebody 
tried to say like uh, she to refer to my vagina, I'd be like, nah. Also, I'm the a, she. That's part of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's part of you. But if you wanted to make sure that a guy can't get it hard anymore, I think if you do that to him, that also works. <laughs> just like, oh, how is this little boy today? Oh, oh, it's so cute. I love it so much. That or you get somebody with like a really weird fetish. The oh, headmistress fetish, well, perhaps. The, I mean, the glory <laughs> of sex is that it's always going to be someone's fetish, right? Yeah. Even saying moist. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are going to be, like, hanging up. Everyone's going to turn this off if we keep saying that word. Another, so I'm really obsessed with the way different languages sort of deal with their sexual slang. So in English, you know, we... We refer to so many like hand job, blow job. We have these sort of like work terms for for things you do on men, but not on women. This is a thing that we've talked about on this podcast before that I'm all for making all turning things into work for women, too. That hand job should also apply to fingering, as we call it. I hate that word. Yeah, we don't have that, which is great because I also think it's very concerning that in English you have a hand job, blow job and no yeah. rim job. And why is it only women who have to perform Kind of the, well, men can do those too. Yeah, but isn't it more in the context of heterosexual it's in the context, relationships? Well, no. I think in gay relationships, they still call them blowjobs and such. But it's in the context that only One things person. that derive male pleasure are work and somebody who's pleasuring a man is doing work. Whereas yeah. when a man does something to a woman, we assume he's doing it because he feels like doing it, not because he's doing something for the woman. Yeah, and also I think that, so we don't have that, and I think we are not going to borrow those words from yeah. you because we do it for a lot of other stuff because our own words are very strong in our language. Mm. Uh, but there is something about the fact that Americans are so good at inventing new words. Uh-huh. And uh, since we are maybe a bit more conservative, we tend to speak French at the moment. The French conversation is going to be a lot fueled with American words. We talk about dating, which is weird because we have rendezvous. You use um, the word dating to refer to yeah. like like the one-on-one Tinder setup date situation? Yeah, we, we more and more start using the word date. Well, I suppose if, 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 as your theory is that America sort of exported the concept of the like set exactly. up one on one date, then it sort of brings its, its own term with exactly. it. Exactly. And it's not innocent because changing the word also means that you're changing your behavior or mm-hmm. the, or the program of the day. We start to talk about hooking up, uh, even though we do have nice words for that. <laughs> or aventure. What do those words mean? Uh, it's a hookup and plan cul means a plan is a plan. And plan. Q means as, so, so like as plan. Oh. That's how we say hookup in French. It's it's really gross, so please don't say that. I can't because <laughs> I'm French. Um, uh, slut shaming. We uh-huh. it would be so hard to say it in French. It would be something like culpabiliser les femmes qui se comportent de manière un tout petit peu érotique. It's like a full sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's wonderful because English is so straight to the point and you can just mix things together and it works. We can't do that in French. Uh, by the way, we French women yeah. don't do hand jobs. Why? Be- because why? I mean, like, we get <laughs> nothing out of this. Like, it's so childish. I-, I would feel like I would be 13 years old. I-, I-, I think, you know, like, why would the guy get something when I get nothing? Oh. No way. Well, theoretically, then he could give you a hand job, i.e., what we Yeah, but seriously, doing. that's it. Or he could do everything, and then I could just, like, 
touch him with my hand a little and be like, eh, done now. Really? It's so I think it's there's variation depending on a I think hand jobs come into play when you're in like in public or, you know, you're you're somewhere where you can't do anything else. B, if you're really fucking lazy. Um, but <laughs> C, I really think that every hand job is actually kind of a blowjob and every blowjob is half hand job because it's not like you use your hand exclusively. And when you suck a dick, you don't just use your mouth exclusively. Your hand is sort of part of everything, right? Yeah, I agree. It's the best sex tool ever. Or but- number, wait, D, you touch somebody's dick with your hand because you just want to see what's going on down there, but you don't necessarily want to do anything else. You're just kind of like feeling out the situation. Yeah, so it's it's interesting here because then uh, I have obviously a wrong view about uh, U.S. sexuality because that would be what I see in the movies and in the series. Yeah. Because those are a big reference. And then you see hand jobs that are pure hand jobs that are just a girl being like annoyed and she has to do something. And it's it's this kind of part of the emotional job of being a woman, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, boys will be boys. And yeah. then they need uh, to be relieved of their sexual patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the woman can always wait, the man can't. And if you make him wait, at some point, he's going to find someone else. The concept of blue balls. Ooh, do you have that phrase in French? No. It's funny because I was... Uh, I, was, I mean, that's really like a teenage boy phrase. I don't think anyone uses that once they're an adult. But Yeah, I was just writing an article about dirty cocktail names. And uh-huh. I found a cocktail that is called the Blue Balls. And I was trying to translate into French. And I was like, like very frustrated testicles. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. But we have some funny ones that I have for you. Because, yeah. yeah. For example, rim job in French is very poetic. Oh. We say feuille de rose. Which mean a uh, rose leaf. Rose leaves? Like yeah. the leaves of a rose? Yeah. So is it like Feuille a... rose. It, it means to... Um, I'm going to give you a rose leaf? Yeah, I don't absolutely. understand why that is. So like the asshole I've, is a I've, rose? I've, I think, no, I think your tongue is a... Uh, is the leaf? Is a rose leaf. Oh! Huh. Because there's two ways of saying it. We can say rose leaf or rose petal. Oh, I see. And I think that's more for your tongue, actually. Oh, interesting. Isn't it pretty? It is really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the rose petal. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have something for just having sex, which is s'envoyer en l'air. And it means send each other in the air. In the air. Yeah. Like, you know. These are so romantic. Guy. Yeah. You it's know, about I, elation. Yeah. I know that sometimes I can be a bit straight to the point. So I wanted your listeners to have at least a bit of French poetry. <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, we we say faire des câlins, which is cuddling uh, for having sex. Also, oh. uh, and we can also uh, faire des galipettes, which is to do somersaults. <laughs> that's for well, the I suppose gymnasium. that's like having a tumble through. I don't know. I think there are there yeah. are American terms, right? Like a a roll in the hay or something. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe for the French kiss. Um, oh, yeah. Because what do the we, French call the French kiss? Yeah, exactly. Because we can say French kiss, but it's just a bit weird. Uh, uh, we say rouler une pelle. And, and then it's a bit funny because it means to roll a shovel. To roll a shovel. Yeah. Like the one you use to dig stuff. You're In. rolling a shovel. So, so I guess the shovel is your tongue. It's the same in your... And then you're rolling your shovel around. Yeah. Wow. So in French, a French kiss sounds totally disgusting. The phrase. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's true that for me, it's the same, you know, like it's so part of my education that I don't really think about it when I use it. That's true. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are rolling shovels like crazy. <laughs> uh, if you are rejected, we say prendre un râteau, which is to receive a rake. The one that you're using for gardening and taking oh. the leaves out of your... Weird. Does, yeah. Is that something that comes up in other contexts too, other than sexual? Nope. It's only sexual or it's only for dating. You're asking someone out. It and then the if rake, they say I mean, no... Doesn't that sound then, like you're fucking? No, 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 not at all. And I don't know where it comes from. I think maybe it's from uh, old movies uh, where you have this uh, visual thing about like stepping on a rake and then you get... Oh, and then you get hurt hit in the face it? by it. Yeah, something like this, maybe. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to push your advantage and it doesn't really work. There is that sort of sense of sudden violence that we have when we say, like, you got shot down. Yeah. Right? Of being yeah. rejected. It's like a sort of, like, sudden violent moment. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there are a lot of examples. Oh, I also have, of course, the fact uh, that to say to fuck. Yeah. We say busy. And what is really interesting is that it used to mean to kiss. Mm-hmm. And the word uh, that is to kiss, which is embrasser, used to mean to hug. So with time, the French language becomes, like, gives a dirty meaning to the things that are more innocent. Because sort of busy is, uh, is supposed to be kind of, a, kind of a very blunt way to say to have sex. Mm-hmm. But Really, like if you look at the etymology, it just means to gently kiss someone. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I hope that we're going to keep having, that we actually keep using our words because you you guys in America are so good at, at creating amazing words for everything. And they're <laughs> so appealing and so trendy immediately that sometimes it's really hard to resist. And I know that sometimes we in France can be a bit protective <laughs> uh, because we think that we are always under siege uh, but th- th- there's something from that because we, we don't have you know I was giving you those examples but how do you call a, a friend with benefit or a significant other it's so cool mm-hmm. and and there's this variation exactly we don't have in our language so we have to borrow it from you guys Yeah. and the dad bod is so cool and manscaping <laughs> and even mansplaining all those weird, weird, weird things. And you come up with so many of them. It's also because English lets you mash the words together. Yeah, exactly. But also, it brings something to the conversation. It brings nuance and details. And I love it. Like, you know, last year, there was this trend about uh, sapiosexual, like people who would be attracted. I really hate that, that idea. So sapiosexual, the idea that you're attracted to someone's brain, which on what planet is that not part of sexual attraction always? I completely agree. And I think it's so hypocrite when people are just like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm on Tinder, but I'm a sapiosexual. Yeah, sure. It's a condescending way of saying everyone else isn't really using their brains, but I am. (laughs) I'm a sexual sexual. I care about sex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So in the end, who is better at sex, French or Americans? I think it's always going to be French. (laughs) So the French really are better at sex. Why? No, I'm sorry. I I just have to say that. Because I think we are are more fluid. Okay. Uh, And because we don't have all those fancy words, actually, because we are so bad at making rules... Uh, uh, it's very, it's very easy to, um, to, uh, go from one position to the other, to one, uh, sex kink, uh, to yeah. the other, because we, 
we have our traps, you know, codification of the sex where, you know, you're doing this and that and everything has a name. Mm-hmm. And you have to start with a kiss and then you have to follow exactly the script. We don't have that many scripts. We are extremely comfortable in the gray zone. Mm-hmm. And then, in our opinion, and of yeah. course, this is the opinion of a French person, this is what we call the basis of uh, eroticism. It's this moment when you're not really sure and you don't really know. And we are really good at not knowing what we are doing. So hence the feeling of you can have an affair and if nobody knows, yeah, nothing's wrong. exactly. And usually ignorance is never a good thing. So I don't think it's because we don't want to know. I don't think it's because we don't know. I think it's because sometimes we agree that sex is better when you close your eyes uh-huh. and you decide to turn off the light. And, you know, and maybe you're not exactly knowing what's happening, but it does not matter because then we are really on the moment. We are not rationalizing everything all the time. You know, it is a matter of you do make that sound very sexy and wonderful. <laughs> I also think, though, it's just a matter of within each culture what you sort of eroticize. Like, Absolutely. we're obsessed. I mean, I think it is true that Americans were obsessed with categorizing things and identifying them and giving it a name. And yet that's actually part of eroticism for us is pointing out this is the rule and now is the moment I break the rule. Here's the thing. I'm walking up to the edge of this. You know, I'm moving from a hookup to fucking. Where is the line? When do I get to the line? And I think that sort of I mean, it sounds so neurotic when I say it out loud that way <laughs> um, compared to the, just the sort of the sort of like epic sweep of gray area that you just described. But I think that that sort of that is actually what we add erotic charge to. Um, sort of that like each... sounds sexy when you say it now. <laughs> I think I think we agree to. Yeah, we we can agree to uh, have our own sensibility. Um, <laughs> but maybe so. I mean, if you have rules and you break them, which is fine, and I understand the desire for this. How do you think you're unique? Because I think you can trick yourself into believing that nobody ever had sex this way before, because sex has no name. Yeah, And if everything has a name, if everything is in this catalog, how do you manage to uh, to create a story that is entirely yours? That's interesting. I don't know. I think that for me, there's sort of this base recognition that nothing is new. We're all just doing the same <laughs> stupid things. I mean, this is the essential dilemma of writing a sex column too, yeah, right? Absolutely. As I'm sure you know. I feel yeah. like absolutely nothing under the sun is new. We've had these human bodies for forever. There's only so many permutations that you can do with a body and two bodies or three bodies. But that's why I think we, I need uh, to have that much space for imagination. The ambiguity. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. And and to always feel like you're exploring a zone that is uh, still dark. Ah. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. So our guest has been Maya Mazaret. Um, thank you so much for inviting yeah, me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Remember, you can always reach our voicemail at 646-494-3590. This week, tell us your opinions about whether the French are better at sex. How do you feel about the word moist? Anything you want to ask Maya, we'll, we'll give her a call if you have any specific questions for her. Uh, today's episode of Sex Lives was produced by Sam Dingman and Alana Milner and edited by Jason DeLeon. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you next week and thanks for listening. 